1: welcome to another brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. Hey! hey! Yeah, my throat's a little dead today, so I'm going to do the best <laughs> I can with that. Um, <clears throat> So much to talk about today. So much to get into today. we got some uh, Black Widow uh, news. We've got some Kang news with Jonathan Majors. We've got some Jason Momoa backing up Bray Fisher. Controversy news for WB and DC. And then our main topic getting into the mandalorian son the mandalorian season two trailer rolled up in here a lot to talk about in that and then maybe get into a little bit of the controversy around the mandalorian all of that happening today here on the geek buddies i am one of your hosts uh, the outlaw john roca i am michael Vogel, and this is shannon mcclung <laughs> You guys know us by now, and for those of you who are new, thank you so much for taking a chance on us downloading uh, us on the podcast feed, which you can find separately from the Outlaw Nation podcast feed. Geek Buddy's doing its own thing, or you watching us here on the YouTube channel, on the Outlaw Nation YouTube channel. Really appreciate you all uh, taking a chance and giving us a view as well. For those of you who are returning, thanks so much for coming back. You know how this show works, so let's talk to the new people. For you newbies, each of us takes a Geek News item and talks about it amongst ourselves. So three Geek News items. we take a little bit of a break for our sponsor and then jump into our main topic. So there will be about a five-second break for those of you who are watching on YouTube, for those of you who are listening to us on uh, on the uh, iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. It will be just a little bit longer, and then we'll be back with a break. So, uh, A
0: five-second musical interlude, you might say.
1: You might say. Musical. I mean, it's an interlude. I don't it's know if we're going to call it yeah, musical. I know. How <laughs> dare you? I mean, last I checked, you weren't in Brigadoon. Alright, so let's move on to the first topic and that is uh, Black <laughs> Widow and the Soul. This all got released here. We're getting this from Deadline. Shout out to Anthony D'Alessandro there. Uh, apparently Warner Brothers, uh, maybe maybe spoof, Maybe kind of like what happened with Tenet at the second week box office uh, being as uh, c- catastrophically bad as it was, in my opinion, uh, maybe this influenced Disney a moving uh uh black widow which is the announcement now they've moved black they're pondering a move uh for black widow off its november 6th date, uh and it could easily move it to marvel's the eternals release date of february 12th as next year and then there was loose talk apparently You can't trust that loose talk but sometimes you never know that loose talk that soul would be going to Disney Plus, and their deadline is reported that a Disney Insider disputed the claims that Soul was moving to Disney Plus, but you know, dispute not dispute. Sometimes it just kind of works out that way, one way or the other. So, um, I know and I know, and we know studios want to control uh who has the information about their about their films being moved or their films being released on streaming service, especially so much nowadays. We've seen Warner Bros. already come out and say that they work at a release. Or they were threatening to not release totals for tenant box office totals anymore for Tenet. So studios are definitely scrambling, trying to make something out of these all these broken eggs. But the omelet so far is not tasting so good. Uh, gentlemen, I put it to you, Vogel. Let's go to you first. Being an executive here, uh, this is not a surprise. And please feel free to take a victory dance because you predicted this possibility about Soul.
2: Uh, Well, I didn't predict the possibility about Soul. I did predict that Black Widow was probably going to move. Oh, sorry, the Black Widow Uh, thing.
1: I apologize. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah, I did did predict that Black Widow was probably going to move, which is actually, as we've said every time that we've talked about this, bigger than just a regular movie moving because Black Widow moving uh, means the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe is moving. So, you know, as we've talked about, you know, DC has actually had uh, a great couple – weeks month in uh in this quarantine um with dc fandom and they've generated a lot of buzz and a lot of excitement about their stuff and they're really like picking up a lot of the slack that marvel is missing because we've gone through kind of a marvel dry spell this year like we because black widow didn't come out when it was slated to come out which would have led you know had black widow come out had we not been living in this, uh, you know, the the bad timeline that we're all currently living in, yeah. Black Widow would have come out. There would have been an end credits teaser. We would have had a ton to talk about and discuss, yeah. and we would have been really excited. And we'd be gearing up for Eternals right now. Like, we'd be back in Marvel. And as it is, we're just sort of waiting for this next phase to start. And the longer they push it, the longer that we are waiting. So yeah. Yeah. that's frustrating. It did seem like that. I mean, you. I think you are absolutely right, Uh Everybody was hoping that Chris Nolan, Christopher Nolan, more than anybody, but everybody was hoping that Tenet was going to be that, hey, guys, the movies are back. Yeah, yeah. And clearly, based on the box office and the (laughs) fact that some of us are living in cities where we can't go to the movies, the movies are actually not back. And even in the places where they are back, people are still, uh, many people are still reluctant to go. So the box office, even taking into account movies being closed limited seating and everything else the box office is not there uh people have a lot more on their minds at the moment and just that this is not something that's happening so the studios are responding to that and kind of is kicking everything down the curb uh and so we will see what happens i'm a little unsure about the soul part Hmm. of it all uh not because disney said no uh or that's unsubstantiated but more that like we talked about with Onward, for example, uh, Onward had its moment. It got released. Yeah. It had a big opening weekend. It made a certain amount of money. Yeah. And by the time everything shut down, nobody was going to go to the movies anyway. It just made sense. Let's just kick this over, sell it on VOD for a couple weeks, and then do- drop it on the Disney+. Right. With Mulan, there was a, a premiere access uh, that Bob Chapek said they were not going to repeat that formula. We'll see if that holds true or not. Right. And I just think with a big Pixar release like soul that ostensibly looks good. You know, we haven't heard any rumors that it's a dud. It's not like another good dinosaur. Um, I just can't believe that they would just say, screw it. You know, it's one of Disney's four big buckets. You got Marvel, you got star Wars, you got Disney, you got Pixar. I don't know that you would take a Pixar movie and be like, let's just, Drop it on Disney Plus. Maybe I'm wrong, um, but I, I would be supr- I would be surprised if that one happened. I was not okay. surprised that Black Widow moved. I would be surprised about Soul. Okay, what do you think, Shan? Yeah, I mean, and the thing uh,
0: to to the Black Widow of it all, um, you know, for Marvel, this might actually be a good thing because stuff Mm. is just now getting back into production. Like I believe filming on the Falcon and the winter soldier just resumed in Atlanta. And originally that was supposed to come out in August or September. I think Um, uh, filming has resumed on Shang-Chi in Australia. So uh, a couple extra months might help, might help them be, be a little more prepared for the schedule, the release schedule shift that is happening because they have not started shooting Spider-Man three. Tom Holland is in uh, Germany, I believe doing uncharted. So might actually be a good thing. You know, I, I was one of the people that drove down out of Los Angeles County to go see tenant in a, in a theater. And I was one of three people. And, uh, I was the only one by the end of the movie. Like the two people left about, oh. about half an hour <laughs> wow. before the movie ended. But yeah, I mean, there was... It's too loud. It's too loud. It, yeah. it, it wow. did happen. It, it was an older couple. Of course. <laughs> it, it was an older couple and it is a very long and somewhat confusing movie. But even <laughs> just walking into the theater, um, there was walking in and walking out. There was yeah. nobody. Yeah. And, I mean, there were signs, uh, you know, uh, pasted all over the place saying, this is what we're doing uh, to, to keep you safe right now. All of the employees were social distance; They were wearing masks. There were alterations to what you could get. Right. So it doesn't surprise me that people have not rushed back to the theaters. Now, in terms of Soul going to Disney+, Plus, I'm with Mike. I mean, uh, they're not going to give that away for free. Right. And, you know, whether or not they follow the Mulan route and they try to get 30 bucks from you again, the majority of the audience is going to be, would have been families. So $30 is actually, I think a deal. Um, but who knows? I mean, as you know, everything is certain until it isn't Bob Chapek saying what we did with Mulan, we're not going to do that again. Also, they've not not released those numbers either. Right. Right, I mean, I've I've read that they were happy, but they've not actually released the figures. Uh, what went along with
1: Mulan? Well, not to the breakdown of who got what, you know. There's rumors that Nolan got a separate take on this whole situation as well. So, like, but maybe that was his impetus to push this thing out because he had a financial uh, benefit beyond the normal financial benefit of a director to make to make sure this movie comes out and try to recoup some of that money or try to get some of that money that he wanted to make. I think you make an excellent point, both of you, about Soul. Certainly, Soul is one of those ones that Disney and we know from you know people we know that there was more marketing budget set aside for Soul. They felt like Soul was their one more than onward that was going to be their uh, oscar play and so dropping it uh now on disney plus kind of I don't know. It does still keep it in contention, but I think any Oscar you get during this year has a massive asterisk next to it in my opinion. So why not wait till next year? Try next year when things maybe are a little bit slowly back to normal and people are coming to the theaters again, then you get, you know, kind of a legitimate uh campaign uh for Soul heading towards the Oscar. It's an animated film. It's already done. There's no rush to put it out. Why would you put it out uh it, to me that doesn't make any sense. And why would you put it on Disney Plus? That's kind of wasted effort all around. Uh, so to see what for the return you're going to get. And yeah, according to a recent NRG poll, 51% of moviegoers are comfortable or somewhat comfortable about returning to the theater during the pandemic. A number that has spiked from 20 to 30% in recent weeks, but 49% are still uncomfortable. That's a massive number, 49%. Well, so, and actually it's dangerous. Have- oh, Hold on, let me finish, Mike. It's dangerous all around, I think, for uh, theaters and for studios and for everybody involved in this to keep pushing this narrative that somehow they're going to start dropping these. They're coming, it's coming, it's coming. I think it's just so much more smarter to go look, 2020 is a wash. Let's all start focusing on 2021. Let's give people something to look forward to. Let's restart the marketing campaigns. Let's all do this. This almost pig-headed, stubborn desire to release these movies is equivalent to what we're seeing in college football. These pig-headed desires of these colleges to force their players. And some of the players want to play. Some of them don't. But to force these players to play these games while there's like high spikes of uh, of uh, uh, contact rate amongst uh, amongst the college students and on the campus for COVID, so it's just it doesn't make sense to me all around. So
2: yeah, Mike, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, I think. Well, I uh, it brings up the point though. Like, I mean, key difference between releasing a movie and a sporting event is the actors on the movie aren't at risk so you don't have an issue there and so shannon to your point though the risk of losing money for residuals that's sure 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 but like i'm saying like what i'm saying is there's no physical risk into so shannon i mean granted you were saying there was nobody else in the movie theater so i'm sure you felt fine but like how was the movie going experience for you? I mean, yeah. would you have been more nervous had it been more crowded or given the space between seats? Like what was your experience uh, at the theater? Yeah. So driving down,
0: I had about a 90 minute drive. I went down to uh, Oceanside, which is in San Diego County. Um, I, there there were kind of like half hour staggered screenings. Uh, I, think, mm-hmm. I think Tenet was playing on four or five screens. But basically when I left my home, I was online looking at how many seats there were. Because they had like the one sort of pseudo IMAX theater and then they had their regular theaters. Mm-hmm. And I gave myself enough time to where I'm like, hey, the 11 a.m., it's it's getting a little crowded for, for my taste. I'm going to go to the next one where there's only two or three people. Um, the way that you were able to pick your seats because you uh, uh, there were no um, actual – it was just the kiosks. Yeah. Um, you put how many – seats you want, and in my case it was one and they had a bunch of seats on the end and then a bunch of seats in the middle but there were the the social distancing was already applied into the algorithm like Mm. I couldn't I couldn't pick certain seats and there was sort of automatic spacing done it was lovely being back in a theater it was really really nice Mm. at the same time about halfway through and the two older people that were in the movie, I mean, they were nine rows away. They were nowhere near me. Once the sort of uh, afterglow of having my popcorn and having my soda, once that kind of wore off, uh, I put my mask back on because I yeah. was like, you know what? There's no one else around. But this just, you know, this is making me feel more comfortable. Right. Um I I would do it again if something else came out, but I also would have, I would also be as precautious. I would be watching how many people, how many people are in the theater. And truth be told, it was a 90 minute drive. I got nothing else to do. If all the screening suddenly filled up, I would have gone home. Like I I was like, it's, this is not worth, this is not worth risking your life.
2: All right. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that is, I mean, it's look the, we think of studios as just these giant like, you know, Scrooge McDuck money bins and they're just like the rich people, but a studio is dealing with on a much different scale, the same issue that any business is dealing with right now. I mean, yeah. it's not that they're just like, well, let's let's get these movies like they've got to get these movies out to get some level of income so they can continue making the movies and so Mm -hmm. they're dealing with the same thing everyone else is and it's the thing that we're all living with right now which is you know safety versus the economy and safety versus the economy so Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens. I think, John, you may end up being right just in the nature of like, it's just what happens. Like they might just keep pushing these things in every movie. Just I mean, we're already up to like November, December. We're going to roll right into the new year anyways. So at this point, does that extra month even make a difference? We might just be like that things are starting in 2021. So we'll see. Yeah, I just don't see the point of it, to be honest with you. It
1: seems stubborn. Uh, and I get like Michael said, I get these are businesses. Yeah, I don't. Having met people working in studios and certainly, Michael, you have, you know, th- they're all part of a machine trying to get to something, trying to get to a goal because everybody's jobs depend on it. We've seen massive layoffs, massive furloughs all across the industry. So as they push things to the end of the year, if they do that, a lot of jobs will be lost. A lot of jobs here in this, uh, in this uh, LA market will be lost. So it can get a bit hairy out here. So you wonder where the end result is of this, or they're just going to push through and just keep released. That's the other thing. That's the other part of this equation. I know we need to move on, but that's the other part of this equation. No studios want to just dump their movies to push it forward and force people and make people feel like they could come back to this if they wanted to. It's there and just lose money. No studio wants to do that either. So they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because you know it's like anything else. If you just drop, it, drop enough stuff... Then eventually people start to feel a consistency here and then they start to take more chances to go out to go see these movies. But then these other movies lose money that you were dropping in an effort to try to get to that point where you start to make some profit. And those studios want to do that. So it's a dangerous plan all around. So we'll see what happens. Uh, But we'll keep tabs on it. We'll find out. I'm certainly with Soul. I I, I don't think it'll drop to Disney Plus. But then again, hell, who predicted whatever's happening this year? So it's crazy. Um, All right. Who's got next? All right.
0: So in the ongoing battle between Warner Brothers and Ray Fisher, he now has a very public ally in his Justice League co-star, Jason Momoa. He just posted a couple of days ago on Instagram. This is a quote. This shit has to stop and needs to be looked at. Ray Fisher and everyone else who experienced what happened under the watch of Warner Brothers needs proper investigation. I just think it's fucked up that people released a fake Frosty announcement without my permission to try to distract from Ray Fisher speaking up about the shitty way we were treated on Justice League reshoots. Serious stuff went down. It needs to be investigated and people need to be held accountable. So what he's referring to is uh, a couple weeks back that uh, Warner Brothers released an announcement that Jason Momoa was going to be playing... Uh, Frosty the Snowman in a CGI live-action hybrid, I believe. But that was also right after Ray Fisher had said something else online. So we're we're going back and forth. Ray Fisher initially talked about the gross and abusive way that they were treated on set by Joss Whedon and how it was enabled in many ways by uh, Jeff Johns and John Berg. Warner Brothers announced an independent investigator... They came back and said, Ray Fisher hasn't really spoke to him. He's not cooperating. Ray Fisher came back and said, I, I did speak with them. My team ended the interview early. I wasn't willing to continue the interview without my team getting involved. Mm-hmm. And now Jason Momoa has weighed in. And it's curious that none of the other cast, they haven't come in on Ray Fisher's side, but they certainly haven't come over on Warner Brothers' side. Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting to see... How this all plays out because it seems like it is just getting more and more contentious. Uh, but what do you guys think?
1: Johnny? I I'm a thousand percent behind Ray Fisher on this situation. I think there's just too much smoke. There's too much smoke having Momoa step forward and say. You know, hey, this announcement, because this is something that he was going to do with Jeff Johns, who was the person at the center of this uh, argument from uh, uh, from Ray Fisher or one of the people at the center of this argument, Ray Fisher. uh, That's a strong uh, statement of support. Um, and uh, more and more people are. kiersey Clements did a hashtag. I stand with Ray Fisher. You know, another an actress of color there supporting a fellow actor of color. So these are these things that are slowly building up steam. And I think uh, Momoa's statement that some shit really went down on this set that people need to talk about. That's he's not just saying I stand with Ray Fisher and I believe. He's saying. Oh yeah, I saw this crap too, you know? And so that's another stronger statement. And of course, actor of color himself, Jason Momoa. So there's more here to explore, more here to discover and don't, and I'm not surprised that a studio is using its legal department to try to try to strong arm a new young actor who hasn't, you know, really kind of you know, done a bunch of other things to have some cachet uh, to try to intimidate him but I love that Ray Fisher is out here, you know, calling him out and WB is getting called out all over the place and Ray's also exposing some of the legal things that these studios do. They surprise you with this other person who's on the line that you didn't know about to try to throw you off and they try to take advantage. These lawyers are paid buku duck a uh, buku uh, duckets to try to intimidate and scare and twist and manipulate you especially in deposition so i'm not surprised by this and i, I give a lot of uh, kudos to ray fisher for being smart enough not to fall into their traps and to call them out publicly especially the time when people are listening people are listening to actors of color calling out this kind of stuff i am a little bit like why why isn't ben saying anything why isn't cavill saying anything gal gadot saying anything i think they she did say that you stand with the Ray right fish. I'm not sure though, but why aren't they calling out? Maybe it's not their fight to have. Maybe they didn't see anything. Um, but I I like that this is slowly building up steam and he's calling the studio out and the end result, we'll see what the end result is because you can mirror this with what John Boyega did with Star Wars in that British GQ. You know, more and more, there is this, don't give me videos, don't give me these plastic statements, don't give me these social media PR statements about how you support and blah, blah, blah. If your actions don't support your desire to look good, then it's all bullshit and I love that uh, uh, Fisher's calling him out on it.
2: Yeah, I yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously something went down. I mean, even the actors who have not spoken out for Ray Fisher or against Joss Whedon have all made it really clear that they're very much on Zack Snyder's side. Like my opinion yeah. of Zack Snyder's uh, movies, my subjective opinions about them aside, the actors who worked with him clearly seem to be on Team Snyder in mm-hmm. this case. And uh, I think you're right. I think that, you know, could this combine with the John Boyega stuff that we talked about last week? I mean, there is a shift in how things work uh, because of social media, because of the social climate that we live in right now. Um, The old rules are starting to apply less. Like, I'm actually not surprised that the others haven't spoken out. That's what's normal. That's how Hollywood always works. I mean, even using, I mean, I know we talked about this last week, you know, John, I think you said that with Daisy Ridley coming out about the Obi-Wan stuff and uh, Oscar Isaac, but if you really look at it, Oscar Isaac and Daisy Ridley did The subtle shade that actors would normally do. They didn't come out and say, this is why Disney and Star Wars and Lucas are fucked up. They kind of said, oh, I would have preferred this. This would have been great. We really would have loved to go in this direction. But they said all the words and the phrases in the right way that like no one's going to really come after you. John Boyega kind of came out strong and Ray Fisher obviously did the same thing here. And I think it's great that Momoa is standing up for him. Uh, I think it's great that Momoa is like, It's great that we have these actors who are popular enough, um, using Momoa as an example, like to your point, Ray Fisher is sort of up and coming still, uh, and he was. it's super brave of him to stand up the way he did against Joss Whedon and against Warner Brothers, and to have Jason Momoa, who I would say is probably a little bit higher up the Hollywood food chain than Ray Fisher is, kind of putting his weight behind him, I think is great. I think more people should do that. Why do you think they're defending Jeff Johns, Mike? I mean, I, once again,
1: you've, one of the key elements of this show is that you have had executive experience. You've been an executive. You still are working to a certain degree. I think almost as a pseudo executive with some of these projects you're on. Uh, what do you uh, what do you accredit to them defending Jeff Johns? What is that all about? Do you think that they've got a, they've got a bunch of projects? Do they have this huge contract with him that they don't want to pay him out? Like, what do you think the situation is here that they just won't go look? Clearly, this is some terrible stuff. We're totally going to investigate with independent investigator that doesn't just have to report to us, which is what Ray Fisher is claiming that he's oh, that that investigator is only reporting to Warner Brothers and nobody else, and is not following up with other witnesses. That's another thing he said that this investigator has ignored other witnesses who are corroborating Ray Fisher's statements about what they saw on set. So, what do you think is happening here? Is this a circle of wagons type of thing? Because this is this seems like bad PR. Or do they think nobody
2: gives a crap outside our LA bubble? The answer to everything you said is yes. (laughs) Uh, Fair enough. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I think that I think that in general, I think yeah. Hollywood does believe that outside of the Hollywood bubble, most people don't care. And I think they're not wrong. I mean, yeah. in the world that we live in right now, our job uh, on this show is to care about this stuff. And we yeah. do, and we work yeah. here, and we live in L.A., and we work in the industry. And everyone who's listening to us, no matter where you are, uh, you clearly love this industry. You love movies. You follow this stuff. So we all care. And I mean, yeah. we as the collective, all of us geek buddies who are all – listening to this right now. But I think that for a lot of people in an election year where it's a global can- pandemic and we have systemic racism and police brutality and everything is on fire, and Joss Whedon was an asshole. Who cares? Like yeah. that's, I think that there is that element to it. I think also there is a circle of wagons mentality. I think the, a, a studio's primary function is to protect the studio and the executives working at that studio. If they were, Acting inappropriately, the first thing you do is like, can we just cover this up and make it go away? And sometimes it becomes a big enough issue that you cannot. I mean, much worse example and much different example, but think about like Harvey Weinstein for however many years, like Mm. did horrible. And granted, he was the head, but like, I think that studio's natural inclination when you have private investigators or HR doing an investigation, like anyone who works for a big company knows that HR's job although it should be to protect the individual, yeah. it's really more to protect the company. A thousand percent. Um, <laughs> and so I, like, we all know that anyone who's yeah. dealt with HR, you're like, mm, are you are you on my side? You or? don't sound like you're on my side. i <laughs> really confused yet. Yeah. So I think, true. I think that's all true. I think also admitting that, uh, Johns or Berg acted inappropriately, uh, also implies that the studio itself acted inappropriately. Yeah. So I think their preference would be, well, let's just dump all this on Joss Whedon. Like, let's just blame Joss for everything. And then we we, we can distance ourselves from that. And then we're clear. But Ray Fisher and Momo, like everyone's kind of coming and be like, no, no, no. This is why this was okay. This was why this was allowed. And, um, Nothing that they have said that Ray Fisher has said or that Momoa is corroborating like sounds out of the realm of how Hollywood works. I mean, I think that a lot of people on the executive side or the studio side, like actors, as much as actors are the face of Hollywood and actors get to a certain point of success and clout that they can do things that they want to do. The actors are in a lot of ways, especially when you're uh, just first starting out you're the expendable one or you're the one whose opinion matters less on the set. And that's frustrating. It's hard. I mean, Shannon can speak to that of course. Like, and uh, so I think that the fact that they're standing out is really good. And I think that the studios are trying to catch up and figure out what to do because actors don't usually do this. Yeah. So it's kind of like the rule book that they have on how to deal with these things is like, they're flipping through it and they're like, "Fuck, what, Aquaman just said something like what do we do? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Aquaman, I, I mean and a more
0: powerful ally Ray Fisher couldn't have. I mean yeah. Jason Momoa, he is the lead of the most successful movie in the EU. So, <laughs> I mean, all it would take is Gal Gadot coming on publicly on his side as well and those are your Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa. They are the two yeah. beacons of DC right now. So, it'll yeah. be really it'll be really interesting to see what happens and who knows if we'll ever actually find out what went down
1: yeah and it's it's mind-bending to think about the fact this is all happening while he's actually shooting something for w a, an extension of wb and hbo max so it's kind of crazy to see all of this uh, all these machinations going on while he's also still having something to do with this uh, just league uh, from zack snyder that's coming out so yeah, oh, yeah. keep tabs on it uh, all right uh, we'll see what happens but i'm i'm proud of people who are stepping up once and for all and Calling these studios yeah. out, calling these people out for, uh, you know, plastic statements if you're not going to back it up with actions. Uh, all right. What's our
2: next thing? All right. So this is really exciting. As we were saying, we are going through a huge Marvel dry spell right now that with Black Widow moving is just making the dry spell even longer. Um, but <laughs> We did get some really exciting Marvel casting news uh, that's pretty big uh, that Marvel and Disney have announced uh, that Jonathan Majors, who most of us now know as the lead in uh, Lovecraft ca- uh, Country on HBO, on HBO Max, I guess, oh. HBO, HBO. Uh, is joining the cast of Peyton Reed's Ant-Man 3 as Kang the Conqueror. Um, And for those that don't know, Kang the Conqueror, pretty big deal. He is the Avengers time traveling villain of the Marvel Universe who uh, fucks with everybody by fucking with the time stream. Um, And him coming in to Ant-Man 3 is not just big news for Ant-Man 3, but it's also really big news for the Marvel Universe because he is much more in line with the Lokis and the Thanoses uh, of the Marvel Universe than like a one off villain. And Kang coming in doesn't just mean that Ant-Man 3 is going to be a much bigger movie in scope, but it means, and there's a couple different ways it could go, that uh, Kang can really open things up. Uh, As everybody who's a Marvel fan knows, um, Avengers Endgame obviously opened things up into the world of time travel through the quantum realm, which came out of Ant-Man 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp. And so Kang kind of being the time-traveling villain of Ant-Man 3 makes sense, and a time-traveling villain showing up post-Endgame also makes sense um Jonathan Majors is amazing uh he's an awesome actor he's also very very handsome I don't think Kang has ever been this sexy uh and so him coming in is great casting news in general uh great diversity (laughs) great talent great everything um and there's a lot of rumors about what it means but first what do you guys think about this casting
0: uh, Jonathan Majors. I first saw him in The Last Black Man in San Francisco, and he is a dynamite. He's a yeah. dynamite performer. Like I think most people would know him from Lovecraft Country or uh, The Five Bloods on Netflix. But the character that he plays in The Last Man or Last Black Man in San Francisco—it's such a unique, unique character. Mm-hmm. And knowing that he is going to be the antagonist probably not just for ant-man 3 but he's going to be a major mcu antagonist is yeah. very very exciting and also did did we say who he who who
2: he is distant, distantly related to Possibly distantly related. Sort of distantly related to, not necessarily exactly distantly. Well, that's what I was saying. So, a couple big things people are excited about. Uh, One of the things, um, as people are really, really excited about uh, the fact that the Fantastic Four can now be a part of the Marvel Universe, uh, Kang's uh, actual last name is well, Kang's alter ego in one of the time streams in which he has appeared because Kang is a weird villain in the Marvel universe is that he has a couple different origins um but one of them the last name is I believe it's Nathaniel Reed um who is implied to be a distant relative uh Richard sorry I was thinking Peyton Reed uh Nathaniel Richards (laughs) who is a uh who is a distant uh, relative of Reed Richards. And Reed Richards' father is also the same name Nathaniel Richards and also was a time traveler. So there's kind of overlap there that some yeah. people imply could be intentional, some people apply could not, but it definitely is a road to the Fantastic Four. The other thing people are really excited about, and I think this is based on the things that Disney Plus and Marvel uh, are doing, is more likely is Kang is also the villain um, that – brought together the young Avengers Mm -hmm. in the comic books. Um, actually quite literally one of the characters in young Avengers, uh, is iron lad who turns out to be a younger version of Kang who doesn't want to become the adult version that he's going to become because time travel is super weird. But with, uh, Ant-Man's daughter, Cassie having aged up in Endgame, she is now the right age to kind of become stature. Mm -hmm. Um, which is one of the young Avengers we've already talked about between, um, uh, the uh, Hulkling. Hulkling, Hulk, and Captain Hulk, Marvel, yeah. Hulkling and Captain Marvel two, yeah. Wiccan in the vision and Wanda series, uh, possibly a young Patriot, which is the black young Captain America out of the, uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon series, right. uh, they're basically and uh, Kid Loki potentially coming out of a younger like kid version of Loki coming out of the Loki series. They're definitely they have all the pieces in place to put together the characters that people who are big fans of the Young Avengers know. And if those Disney Plus series, uh, Shannon, when is Ant Man three slated to come out? It you does know? not have a release date. Yeah. yeah. So all of these things that I'm mentioning, the Loki series, the all of the all of the series where these characters might show up, looks like they make out first so we might kind of get a lineup of young avengers and ant-man in ant-man 3 may actually help bring the young avengers together to defeat kang like this is all rumored speculation and marvel being marvel there'll probably be elements of this are true but they'll probably be brand new things that they mix in but the idea that you have a time traveling villain coming in The idea that the young Avengers are gearing up, the idea that this villain could be distantly related to Reed Richards in some way. And even uh, the fact that Kang has also tangled with the mutants and uh, in some versions of Kang has actually gone back to uh, to bring about apocalypse and stuff like that, that there is a ton of uh, potential for him to do this. And also the fact that the next Doctor Strange movie is called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, it really does seem like uh, one of the ways that we're going to open up phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is to play on the fact that the Avengers fucked with the quantum stream, the quantum realm, and time itself. And that when you fuck with time, time fucks back with you. Well, everything I was going to say, Michael just said, so completely nailed all of it.
1: Uh, <laughs> I didn't get my turn before he jumped in. Sorry, uh, just, uh, he said, I got so oh excited. I got so excited. Yeah, I got so Everybody, excited.
2: Please comment about how smart Mikey is. Uh, here's the thing: <laughs> okay. I will tell you this. Just right write in the comments below. Is Michael is very smart
1: <laughs> and should be present. Now, everything you said before, I said on the morning show yesterday when it was first announced because it broke. As we were doing the morning shows with with me and Alex, and I was excited about it too, Mike. Everything you said—the time travel thing—that could be Aqualad, We could get this connection to Rebrids, but also there's one more timeline with him where he goes back to 1901 and becomes the, I think, the mentor or the uh, professor of the of the person who uh, ends up creating the the uh, um, uh, things that caused the first human torch. So that could be another way that he gets into the Fantastic Four situation as well. Victor Timely, he's also the mayor of the town uh, there as well. So. It's There's a lot to play with here, but the number one thing is, uh, and what uh, Shannon says, absolutely correct, this is a, this is a, a very interesting actor. Uh, and I want to say this correctly and get people to remove the last 20 years, but this to me is, I've, I haven't felt about this way for an actor since a young Nicolas Cage. Jonathan Majors makes some interesting, unique decisions and strong choices as, as an actor within the pieces that he acts in. Even Da 5 Bloods he is a completely different person than what you're seeing from the other actors in that movie. The other actors are playing straight, situa- straight, like you've seen these kinds of characters before. But Jonathan Majors is playing someone who's operating on five different levels. I wouldn't be surprised to find out this guy has like a, a genius IQ because when you watch him act, he is, I call his acting like jazz. He is acting in between the notes. Like in between the notes, he's finding his own uh, uh music to dance to, to play to, to, to to vibe to. And when you're watching him as an actor, you're just so incredibly impressed. You're just like, I didn't even think... To do it that way i wouldn't even it wouldn't even occur to me to try to play it that way and that says volumes about the little things that he does to make himself a great actor i think i mentioned with you guys before the way I, like nicholas cage when nicholas cage hits the warthog from hell with that uh, two by four or whatever that long plank is when the warthog from hell gets up starts walking towards him and raising arizona nicholas cage starts to convulse to throw up and he's nauseous and he's scared at the same time no, almost no young actor would have thought to throw that element into that character in that <laughs> moment. And that tells you that's a person living the actual life of the character that he's embodying and bringing the humanity and the natural human reactions of a situation like that when you're afraid for your life uh, as it's as impending death is walking towards you. And Jonathan Majors d- does that less black man. He doesn't defy bloods. He doesn't love craft country. He's an unusual actor. So I think it's absolutely fantastic that Marvel has chosen this guy to possibly be their next main villain in multiple uh, multiple movies in Phase 5 and mess with time. Marvel's going, look, we've got you this far, all right, let's see if we can take you into multidimensional stuff. Let's see if we can mess with you and take you to timelines. See if we can do all this kind of stuff. And so to me, I think it's absolutely fantastic that they're willing to go this bold rather than regressing all the way back and starting from scratch again. I like that yeah. they're gonna mess with this. So overall, and yes, uh, Aqualad, I mean sorry, Iron Lad, all of that, Young Avengers. I can't wait. I have like all my young Avengers right there on the bookshelf. I love young Avengers. So to me, this all just speaks uh uh positively about what Marvel's going to do. So yes, they, they've been kind yeah. of pushing the back with DC this year, but they might start come, coming full bore next year and get ready for that.
2: It is funny. You know, we talk a lot about Marvel. and when you talk about uh, one of the weaknesses of the Marvel Universe. A lot of people bring up the villains a lot of time that the heroes yeah. are so great. And a lot of the villains in any individual movie. And it, they're interesting because when you take a lot of the individual movies, the villain of the movie sometimes isn't so great. But when you take it, when they do get it right whether that be Loki or Thanos. Uh, or even going to the Sony movies the way that they did with Mysterio or yeah. Vulture in the Spider Man movies. Like when they get it right, they really get it right. And yeah. I think that the casting here is right. I think you're right. I think he's a spectacular actor. Uh, the character is right. There's a lot that he can do. And so I really hope this is one where, like, they do knock it out of the park, that he yeah. really kind of brings the heat on it. And I think he will. So, uh, yeah, we are in a dry spell. We're all waiting for more Marvel excitement, but hopefully this, uh, this means that on the horizon, there's some good stuff in the <laughs> future. Absolutely. All right. Let's- <laughs>
1: nice, nice. Uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, and, and uh, of course, we'll keep our eyes out to see what happens and more. Uh, maybe we'll get an official announcement and then we'll see some costume designs and maybe see him in the first shots of him on set. That would be fun
2: as hell. So I swear. Uh, I swear to God, really quick, if they if they if they age of apocalypse this, where you take handsome Oscar Isaac and put him in so much prosthetics, don't it just put him in like a tight t shirt, yeah, and like a little hat. Like that's all we need. And some pants and some pants and some pants. Come on. Man, for God's sake. I'm not I'm just saying when you when you cast someone that beautiful, let us look upon that
0: beauty. I I I'm saying I, I heard the same critique when I was in the orville
1: oh wow that that is exactly what people know i want you to be consistent you should have come out against gamora being all green as well Uh, uh, zoe saldana absolutely gorgeous as well you
2: can paint him whatever color she's gorgeous in whatever color she's in you want to paint him purple i don't care just don't cover him in so much prosthetics uh, oh poor oscar isaac anyways let's that's <laughs> fine that's yeah, all i all right, had to say stick. all right we're <laughs> gonna take a quick five second break
1: for those of you who are watching us on youtube and uh, we'll be right back right after this and for those of you listening to us on the podcast feed enjoy this word from our sponsors do do
2: do 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 oh, okay. do Okay. all right well, assemble do, do,
1: it's the first one we've gotten in
2: quite some time. So there we go. All right. They're usually, they're usually, they're usually harder to pinpoint with that uh, with the dulcet tones of Shannon McClung.
0: Oh, you gotta fix your ears, my friend. I am pitch perfect.
2: What is that? Chocolate milk? What are you what are you doing?
1: What are you? 12? It's coffee. It's coffee. Oh, oh. Oh coffee. All right, sorry. It's coffee. I don't drink coffee, so I don't know about that. Um all right. Uh, well, let's get into our main discussion here and that's the Mandalorian season 2 trailer that dropped as we're recording this yesterday. Uh surprisingly dropped yesterday morning. There were some uh people who were clamoring about this in the Star Wars fandom for the last 2 weeks. Where's my trailer? Where's my trailer? The show's about to start. Where's my trailer? Well, you got your trailer and it was well worth the wait. Not a lot was given out, not a lot was shown. We do get the armor right at the beginning saying, "You We've got to bring baby yoda back to its people which of course made me go insane we're gonna have a are we gonna get a planet full of yoda people uh then we get to the mandalorian on sea in the air with x-wings uh in a boat uh he's on a boat and then you got uh you got the stuff with the, the ice planets sand planets uh sasha banks possibly a jedi possibly sabine wren who knows in the cloak uh, we don't get any, and we got space wrestling. We got Cyclops, dude. We got no, uh, which is great. And we got, but we didn't get any Ahsoka Tano. We didn't get any Cobb Vanth. We didn't get any Boba Fett or Rex. Uh, But we certainly got that vibe again. And we got Baby Yoda like, you know, hitting that button and closing his uh, his uh, little tube there. Uh, But we didn't. But and we also got Baby Yoda possibly speaking. So a lot was in this trailer, even though a lot of the storylines weren't necessarily surrendered by this trailer. So, gentlemen, what are your reactions to this thing uh, as a as a kind of first trailer for this season that's coming on October 30th?
0: Well, I definitely feel because I think I want to say it was a week or two ago that I I certainly got duped. I got (laughs) rickrolled. Somebody posted the Mandalorian season two official trailer. <laughs> I we're
1: was, like, still, you, you yeah.
0: know, and, and two weeks ago, that's when I was really sick. So I was really looking
2: forward to that. So just to have, just to get Rickrolled. Um, but no, is I that mean, a I symptom thought- is that a symptom of thumb disease? Thumb disease really <laughs> just makes you susceptible to suggestion. You're like, there's like a thumb disease Jedi mind trick. Is that what that was? I
0: I my my oh. cognitive abilities were compromised. <laughs> 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 it was on the phone. It was a little screen. I was. Down Uh, (laughs) Um, uh, i I thought this was a great i thought this was a great teaser for 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 what we're gonna see i mean i think it was it was a little under two minutes um yeah i mean uh, you know you get to see the whistling birds uh everything about it got me excited now there's there's not a ton there but the way we left the world i i was satisfied And I'm curious just to get more adventures with these people. I mean, the desert planet—I have to think it's Tatooine because we know that Boba Fett and Cobb Vanth are going to come into play. Why doesn't Uh, that apply?
1: Why doesn't that apply? (laughs) Well, every time there's a sand planet, it's Tatooine for this guy. But know
2: a band of
0: riding Tusken Raider.
2: Uh, All right. I I do think that when we see the Bantha, it's probably Tatooine, but not just because it's a sand planet. And then there's the other planet that is sort of sandy, dusty, but it looks more advanced than uh, Tatooine. And so I don't think it's all Tatooine. Like, I think that they probably do go back to Tatooine more specifically because that's the one episode of season one of Mandalorian where we were left on a cliffhanger. Uh, And we also know that Boba Fett, who may or may not be appearing in this season, was last scene on Tatooine. So I think that Tatooine is not just, I saw sand and I was like, Oh, it's Tatooine. But I also wonder, uh, and I know some other people have wondered this as well. If, uh, if the more, um, the more advanced looking or the more built out sand planet that we see could be Lothal from star Wars rebels. Oh, yeah. uh, cause what I thought was really interesting. I think Johnny, you said just now that, uh the 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 arc of the season is taking yoda back to his people but what yep. the armorer actually says at the end of season one is that he has to take yoda to the jedi like the that actually like oh, the so his people being the jedi
1: oh, okay yeah okay. like All i right. i think
2: that i think that we're not looking They're, for like planet yoda i think that we are sort of on this hunt for the jedi which i think is interesting because uh jedi again. we're in that we're in the era of star wars right now where uh as, as was kind of made clear at the end of season one, the Jedi are still kind of a myth. Like, people don't really remember the Jedi from the Clone Wars. Yeah. And anything that they do remember is that the Jedi were... Either, you know, not that powerful or duped by the Empire or complicit in the Empire in the rise of the Empire. Nobody really knows the details of what happened. And even the fact that living in the era where Luke Skywalker is out there, even though we all know about Luke Skywalker, most people don't. I mean, he wasn't like paraded around by the rebellion. So, uh, you know, it's not like it's uh, it's not like um, Mando can just take baby Yoda and like fly to. Endor and be like, I'm looking for Luke. He doesn't know. So one of the things that I thought was interesting when you look at the planets or what the seeming planets could be is Tatooine, Obi-Wan Kenobi lived there for a long time. It's where Luke Skywalker came from. There's Jedi stuff there. If Lothal is one of the other planets, it's where Ezra was. It's where Kanan and the crew found him. There's there's a giant Jedi temple there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the reason why I don't think the ice planet is Hoth uh, although it could be because Luke Skywalker fought there or whatever. But I think it's more likely to be Ilum, um, which is a where there's a giant place, a temple or area where young Padawans uh, go to collect their kyber crystals and also the planet that eventually becomes Starkiller base. Right. right. Um, so and even like the water planet um, that we see in the trailer, uh, the boat that Mando is on seems to be populated uh, by a couple of Mon Calamari, but a lot of Quarrens. Uh, which are the two races of uh, sea people that live on Mon Cala. Uh, uh, and so there's a lot of discussion. Uh, the yeah, tentacle, these guys, yeah, yeah, these guys, the tentacle guys, the Quarren, they're the bad guys on the planet and the Mon Calamari are the good guys. Mm. Um, so a lot of people saw the boat and they said, oh, this could be Moncala, But other people are saying, uh, could it be Camino? Um, because of the clones and everything. And we know that that's a water planet. So, uh, And we also know that one of the guys in season one who was about to experiment on Baby Yoda had a patch on his outfit that was similar to the patches that people were wearing on Kamino, Um, which maybe indicates that Baby Yoda's a clone, maybe not, who knows. But so I think that although you guys are right, the trailer didn't give away a lot of uh, information on what actually is going to be happening plot wise. I do think that, uh, you know, given being a Star Wars nerd, and I'm totally doing what all nerds do right now, which is all of these planets could be none of those places. All of those planets could be completely new places and have nothing to do with it. But I do think that uh, there might be something neat about a character kind kind of trying to track the Jedi and find yeah. out about the Jedi by going to a lot of the places that we know are important to the Jedi, but the average person living in the Outer Rim wouldn't know, which I yeah. think is interesting. Yeah.
1: Another one of those plants they mentioned or that there are people are rumoring is that there's a shot there of the swampy world of uh, Din Djarin, which is, uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Sorgon, which is the swampy world that Din Djarin, which is uh, Pedro Pascal's name, uh, was from. So are we going to get oh. that? Is he going to go home to that? Uh, so I don't know I mean there's a lot and that's what you want that's what you want out of a trailer like this right you want a lot of questions you want some yeah. oh I think this is this I think this is that speculation which is the fuel that uh, that uh, powers Star Wars is the speculative fandom uh, so uh, that, I love that I love that this trailer came out there's all kinds of different directions you can go with this thing and I mean, people are already – because they don't know Sasha Banks that well outside the world of WWE. People are thinking that was Rosario Dawson. They're already making that kind of confusion. No, that's Sasha Banks,
2: professional wrestler Sasha So Banks. do you think – I mean, do you think she's Sabine or do you think I don't she's know, a because character? To be
1: honest with you, God, this might get me in trouble. She's good for a wrestler in terms of acting, but I don't think she has that rock level of acting. Even Batista in the WWE – had that rock level of acting that you you need to make that jump. And so I don't know. And Cena really is one of the biggest surprises to me. I didn't think he was going to do anything. But so and it's and, and I saw Becky Lynch on billions and I was like that's no good. So I don't know what uh, Sasha's going to do. But Sabine is a warrior and certainly Sasha is a tough warrior. She's Snoop Dogg's niece in real life. So you know already people are speculating Snoop Dogg can make an appearance which would really piss me off. But like this is this is all <laughs> A possibility uh for it but I, I i would like someone a little more accomplished to be sabine in my opinion as an actress but then again maybe they saw something in sasha's like uh, uh audition or performance uh that they thought was perfect for the sabine they want to put in to this uh, Mandalorian, uh this live action version of her character well, and
0: has she and and, and and sorry if you already mentioned yep. this, has she done anything outside of the WWE? Acting not really,
1: right? not really. So, Sasha I hasn't mean, done much. So I don't know. Maybe they want to keep her a mystery and they won't give her much to do in this show uh until much later. Because they took a chance on Gina Carano and certainly that worked out. A lot of people do like Cara Dune. So maybe they think they can strike goal twice with Sasha Banks.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you have when you have an actor's director working with you and you know, you can edit around, you, you can edit around a bad performance. Right. But also if you have an actor's director who's really trying to connect with this person, I mean, I would like to think that for the most part, I, th- I liked the casting of season one. Yep. I would like to think that knowing how much is behind this now, how much Star Wars has writing on it, yeah. that they would not be reckless with their casting decisions just to cast a wrestler who has some name value.
1: Right. And she's in three also, episodes. Also, I don't think... So they must have
2: seen Also, something. I don't and- think that... I, well, I just don't think... I mean, I know that wrestling is huge. I mean, this is not to take anything away from the popularity of wrestling, but I don't think you cast a wrestler who's a relative unknown to the acting community for, yeah. like, just the name value. Like, if they're doing it, they're doing it for a reason. Right, whether right. it's her... Whether it's her fighting skills, whether this is a character who just really is required to just be a bad... Like, whatever it is. Or yeah. maybe she's really just a fantastic actress yeah. that we don't know yet. I mean, possible. It's also possible. Yeah. Um, I do think what's interesting is kind of what I was saying about this idea that they've brought up this idea of the Jedi as these sorcerers uh, that clearly Mando doesn't really know much about. We know that Luke Skywalker is alive right now because he's defeated Darth Vader and, you know, redeemed him and everything. and He's off, according to Rise of Skywalker, training his sister. Um, <laughs> but, like, we also know that Ahsoka is in here in some capacity we don't know yeah. if it's going to be just a cameo or whatever but we are going to see ahsoka and kind of catch up with her so i do find it interesting that we're going to kind of answer what was going on in this dual world of jedi like we all know that ahsoka is not a jedi she's made that very clear and also yeah. for star wars canon to make sense she kind of can't be but she is definitely force sensitive she's definitely going to play a role in this story Mm -hmm. uh in leading mando and maybe yoda and the child wherever it is that they're going uh and if sasha banks is not sabine is she another force sensitive person are there other force sensitive people like i do think catching up with what's going on with the jedi and the force in general and force sensitive people is something that i'm really curious about uh discovering more about in this era of star wars
1: yeah, um, Yoda attempts to speak. The baby Yoda, the child. Where, where did attempts that happen? Speak in the trailer, or like somewhere in the middle of the trailer, uh, attempts to speak. So I don't know if we're gonna see that some language. That that but, sounded like more just kind
0: of baby babble.
2: Oh, did that, it now? It's fifty that... years old. <laughs> I'm saying it could happen. I, mean, I know some. Hey. I know some fifty year olds that sound like they're just babbling. So yeah. it's all right,
0: that's it. <laughs>
1: Coming through the computer. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I, I really a thousand percent was uh, just excited to see more. And that what she says is, and I think that's why I mentally went to the, it, bring it back to his its own kind, its own kind. So that can go both ways. Could be Jedi. It could. Yoda. So. But I take your point. I didn't
2: think Jedi, but yeah, maybe possible. Well, and they also—I mean, she—they also go very deep into to your point. The man you, you might be right. You—it it could go know. either way, but it also very specifically does get in. She gets into in her speech in the end of season one, and they—they they kind of reference it at the moment where this maybe Sabine, maybe not Sabine yeah. character shows up, where they do talk about the history of the mandalorians and the sorcerer race called the jedi so yeah. the jedi so like yoda being yoda him clearly being uh, a force user obviously mm-hmm. uh you know i think all of that is in play and it's going to be interesting the other thing that i just wanted to say that i loved about this trailer and it's what i loved about mandalorian season one um and i think mandalorian did a better job than the newer trilogy did with this which is yeah. They just really, they take all the stuff that we love, that we know and love about Star Wars, but in Mandalorian, they don't just regurgitate it back to us, they give it to us in a new way, and we see things we haven't seen before. So uh, whether it be Gamorrean, you know, we all love the Gamorrean guards from Jabba's Palace, and we've seen them as guards, and we've seen them as security, we've never seen them wrestling in a ring before. So, like, that's really cool. Or we've all seen speeder bikes, uh, you know, fly around trees in Endor or fly over desert landscapes. I've never seen a speeder bike like jump off of a ledge and go down the side of a mountain. And I'm like, well, that's fucking badass. And so I like, I love that Mandalorian. Kind of takes this era of Star Wars where there was this transition the Empire has fallen the rebellion has won but the universe is still this lived in universe where a lot of people are just struggling to get by and everything has that older kind of lived in look so even like the boat that he's on uh, whether it's on Moncala or uh, or Camino or somewhere else like there's just this, we're seeing things we've never seen before like in no star wars movie have we seen them on this boat journey on a boat planet and we see it so i just i love that they give us the familiar of star wars i mean baby yoda is the ultimate example of this like yoda is one of the most iconic symbols of star wars he's one of the most beloved characters but rather than just have yoda show up like giving giving us the child it's like you've given us Something we love, but you've given it, it in a whole new package, yeah. and I just think that they're so good at that, and that's what makes me the most excited about this. That uh, that whether Ahsoka only shows up in one episode, uh, whether it's Boba Fett or the uh, Cobb Vance, yeah, Cobb Vance, Vance. Uh, Vance, or you know whether we get Rex or some new clone or whatever, I kind of trust them at this point to give us enough of what we expect, but in a way that we're not expecting it.
0: Well, Well, and and to speak to one thing real quick that you could tell from season one, um, is the production value. Like I thought the special effects in season one were really good, but the speeder bike sequence with Mando and the younger Cannavale, that was the one sequence that was like, ah, this doesn't look awesome. And it seems like that is something that they have now, vastly improved speaking about the the speeder bike jumping off the cliff and also just the inhabitedness of the world Mm -hmm. um it's like it's it's a little bigger they've opened it up a little wider you're starting to see more just more characters populating the world which i think is only going to be to the benefit of the show
1: yeah Yeah, the the fact that he is escaping both x-wings possibly and tie fighters this makes it so much more interesting right because what's the biggest thing it's that the people complain oh it's the jedi again or it's good versus evil again this is someone playing in between the lines. You know what I'm saying? This is some, uh, people love grade the great Jedi because they understand that you can't be one thing fully. You might have to have some elements of the other side uh, to be a part of who you are as a Jedi. So they ride that kind of middle road. You see the Mandalorian being this person who's riding the middle road a little bit to kind of like f- outwit or outfight both sides here. Right after the Empire has been defeated. Right after the uh, the rebels and the alliance now is to figure out how to rebuild this galaxy. And remember, if we're talking about Illum, that's the beginnings, uh, as you mentioned, Mike, of Starkiller Base. So, what's going on on that planet that he may have to experience or confront or look at or get away from? Uh, you know, what 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 early? Um, I don't know. Early beginnings of the First Order are we going to see? Yeah. If that is Illum, so uh, there's a lot here that is exciting. And uh, and I agree with you, Shannon. That the the production value looks so much better in this than it did in the first season and that's not a negative that's the star wars mm-hmm. understanding. okay we need to sink a little bit more money into this because now we see that it is a game of thrones type show which is what jan F- john favreau said he wanted out of season two the game of thrones vibe uh, back when it was in its prime so why not why not do it this way i hope yeah. they go a little harder i hope they go a little bit darker and not cop out with the sweet funny moments all the time i'd like a, a really hardcore edgy gritty episode just one would be
2: great enough for I mean me. Star Wars is built on sweet funny moments though too. I mean, you I can't have know. one without the other. Like, I mean, you know, like I you you say that, but the most uh gift part of this trailer so far is baby Yoda shutting his little pod when he knows things are about to get crazy. So like, we all love we all love our sweet funny Star Wars moments as well. Um yeah, I I uh I think it's going to be interesting. I know that um in the EW article that came out a week ago where they released some photos uh, you know, Favreau said that this was going to be a little bit more connected than season one was. I think one of the complaints of season one was each episode was kind of its own little standalone adventure for the most part yeah. until you got to the end and all the pieces kind of gelled together. Um, and I think that this is going to be a bit more connected uh, yeah. according to what they've said. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things we didn't see a ton of in the trailer was uh, was uh, Moff Gideon, Jean- yes. Giancarlo uh, Zito. Yeah. Uh, with the Darksaber. And I know that he said in the EW article as well that he basically got to uh, got to use that thing uh, and was also playing. I think what you said about the Grey Jedi was interesting mm-hmm. because uh, in the way that Esposito talked about his character, he definitely kind of hints that he's sort of playing both sides against the middle or sort of luring Mando in a little bit. And we all know Ahsoka is kind of that gray Jedi. Like she's chosen neither side she's living in. And Mando lives in that gray area. So (laughs) I do think to your point that we have a world of, Star Wars is a world of good and evil. We've got the rebellion. We've got the empire. We've got the resistance. We've got the first order. We know our good guys. We know our bad guys. And Mando seems to be a show that, almost embraces the middle and says, this is what it's like living in the middle when you live in a (sighs) universe of black and white, good and evil. Uh, And I think that's really, really interesting.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Um, And we get vibrating axis, So I like that. Um, All right. There we go. That's our, well, I do want to touch on this. I guess we could say it real quick. We only get one shot of Cara Dune and uh, Carl Weathers character. So do you think that was on purpose considering all the controversy that happened with her over the weekend, or do you think this trailer was already built and they just kind of dropped it as it was?
2: This trailer was already built. There's okay. no way that they recut the trailer in the past okay. week to be like, "Oh, Twitter's mad. Let's cut her out." Like, I don't, I don't think so.
1: All right. I, I've seen some people online already saying that they're not going to come back to this. Certainly, I spoke my piece on it on Twitter, but like, I've seen some people, some Star Wars fans, say they don't want to glorify this trailer or be or support this because of Cara Dune uh, and some of the comments that Gina Carano's made over the last few weeks. But I've also seen people push back and go, "Well, I'm supporting Pedro Pascal." And the work he's doing so this is going to be interesting to see how if this builds up you know if this keeps gaining steam uh and if people be up are upset i'm going to watch it regardless of her comments it's not that i'm patronizing it i'm watching it because i want to see yeah i have a latino lead that's what i'm focusing on and my issues with uh, with uh, gina carano's comments aside I'm focusing on the on the on the male lead, and it's a Latino lead, which we rarely get in Star Wars. It's nice to have this and Diego Luna kind of have it holding down a little bit of, yeah. of as a lead. So I got to give support to both of these shows I mean, when that other I, one comes out
2: too. I mean, look, look, I'm not gonna uh, Gina Carano's comments were dumb. Her her beat bop boop uh, joke yes. uh, was obviously in poor taste and silly. I just I do think that. You know, we've talked a ton about J.K. Rowling on the show. Yes, we have. We're tr- as, as, as we're going to go down this road of talking about transphobic comments. J.K. Rowling is someone who is repeatedly transphobic. Yes. And when accused of being transphobic, writes a missive that is filled with every transphobic argument that exists to man. Yep. And her new book comes out with a character who is a man who dresses up as a woman and kills people. Like, uh, you know, it's like she, she – She came out as transphobic. She underlined transphobic. She bolded transphobic. And when she was pushed on it, she went to the font thing and made it font sixty five. Like she is like clear transphobic. Uh, With Gina Carano, what she she claims she isn't. She claims she isn't though. So that's what she claims she isn't. But like, like, well, but what I guess here is what I want to say to the in the big scheme of things is we live in a super divided time. And I think that we're also getting to a point where everyone that we get upset by or everyone who thinks differently than us is is it's an all or none. Like I either am on board with you and you're on our side, whether you be on the right or the left or whatever, or you're horrible. They should fire you. I'm not going to watch the show. And those are two really extreme sides and yeah. i think that when you put jk rowling up against gina carano i put gina carano as you're stupid and i probably don't agree with you yeah. and i think what you did was dumb but i don't know that this rises to the level of you are the enemy of all trans people everywhere right. and so i just think that not not condoning what you did by any stretch mm-hmm. but i do think that a we need to sort of like level things out. Not everything is a level 10 emergency where we have to like batten down the hatches and kick this person out of everything and ignore everything they do for all things in the future. And some things are, and some things aren't. And I think we all just need to sort of take that beat. And I think the other thing that I was thinking about this yesterday that irks me a little bit is- so we, are getting, we are getting into it now. Now that you're making- multiple Well, I just want to say, it, I just want to yeah, say- No, it. you don't get to just say, because now you're dropping multiple points. Okay. <laughs> my <laughs> other, my we other have issue time. is- my other issue, my other issue that I just want to say is everybody is so quick to jump on the "I'm mad at her, she's transphobic, mm-hmm. uh, she's a transphobic bully" bandwagon mm-hmm. that nobody is actually taking a step back and looking at, looking at the bigger picture of what trans people were trying to say to her, mm-hmm. which is you should include pronouns in your profile. And right. so I see all of these people jumping on the "I'm mad at you, I'm not going to watch Mandalorian, Lucasfilm should fire you," but I don't see a lot of people going to their profiles as cisgender straight people yep. and adding their pronouns. So it's like what's the more important thing here condemning somebody or actually listening to what be like Pedro Pascal to your point mm-hmm. he's got pro- he's got his pronouns in his thing and I'm not saying yep. that everybody has to go do this. I'm not going to tweet at you and tell you you're bad if you don't put your pronouns up there but like we get so we're, we're so quick to jump on the bandwagon of being angry about something mm-hmm. but we're much less quick to take the spirit of what what the point was in the first place and actually make that a part of our lives just my okay. two cents okay and i i hear your
1: point but i think that's akin to saying if you don't put black lives matter in your profile then you can't really talk about black lives matter i think there's okay for i think it's okay for you not to put the pronouns in because you don't want to put the pronouns in and i think it's okay for you to go after somebody who makes fun of the people who do because the people who are doing it are doing it for a reason for a cause to uh, bring up the idea of equality for all that trans lives matters and when you the reason they come after gina is because Gina's on a big platform now she's in star wars that is as massive of a platform as you can get and she, uh, along with the anti-masking, anti-mask posts that she's put up, along with the, 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 the smirkingly goading posts that she's put up over the last three or four weeks, she started to feel, her, feel herself a little bit into the MAGA world. And look, she's got every right. She's got a platform. She's got every right to say what she wants to say. But she doesn't have every right to be free of consequence. She doesn't have every free right to not be called out. And so, you know, if you want to smirk around and claim that you want equality, but then you want to go beep, bop, boop, fuck you. I, that's how I feel about it. Like you're you're playing both sides. You're trying to say with one side of your mouth that you're all about equality and unity. You know, we got to be together, but then you think it's okay for you to make a joke of people uh, who uh, are putting pronouns to kind of be positive and support. And what, the, what did the president say in that RNC speech? People are tired of what word, what pronoun, whatever. So she plays into the red state stuff that is that shit. And so people we see right through that. Uh, and go and call her out on it and i think there's nothing wrong with that now well i want to clarify what i put in my tweet because mike and i had a text conversation i wasn't saying she should be kicked off i said disney and lucas films needs to come out against this stat needs to come out and do something about this stat uh and if she ends up if she ends up in kick if in kickboxer seven so be it you reap what you sow it doesn't mean that i'm advocating her being kicked off i'm saying they need to come out against these words. If the public themselves or if Disney themselves decides to take her off, then so be it. I'm not going to fight it. and I'm not going to think it's incorrect. You've got every right to take people on or take people off certain projects because of the things they do on their platforms. So I but I'm curious that they haven't said a word because Disney is notoriously quiet about gay rights and about gay marriage until it's okay for everybody to talk about it. Yet they're cool with gay days at their parks. They're cool with these unofficial things that happen with their parks. So you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't you can't smoke it and claim you didn't inhale. It's it's just it just doesn't fucking work. And so that's my issue with it overall. And I think Gina rightfully got called out and she played victim about it, which really pissed me off and claimed that the bullies were coming after her, which is bullshit, which is bullshit. Someone with 94 followers is not going to bully you with someone with 800,000 followers. That's ridiculous. So uh, I just think it's playing. I think if you're going to say crap and then play
2: victim about it. Nah, dude, nah, that doesn't wash in my world. Okay. I mean, I think that, I think that people on both sides of Twitter can be pretty aggressive. I think yeah, I get yeah. it. I get it. I get it on the opposite end. Like I do, I say any gay thing and I get 95 tweets back at me about, I'm a horrible person and I shouldn't right. work in kids entertainment and I'm going to go to hell. And that's what it is. And she says, she's not going to put her pronouns up or puts the beep, bop, boop, boop thing. And she gets, she doesn't have all to do of the, she, she doesn't have, have to, done that. I, by the way, I'm not she's saying she's right for doing it. I know what I'm saying, right. saying is, what I'm saying is there's a difference between there's on the levels of you're an idiot because you made a stupid joke which is was stupid like it was dumb right but then you get called out mike the i the I, the, the the choice
1: is don't play victim. The choice is I understand why people are upset. I made a stupid joke. I apologize. I do support Trans Lives Matters. Much love to you. All. It isn't look at these bullies coming after me. It isn't liking the posts that are hardcore right-wing extremist posts. It's
2: liking the post that claim to be a bully. That's you're sending a sign that you hundred actually- percent And I'm not, and I am pretty sure, based on her comments and her likes and everything else, like I would not get along with her. At all. So this is not, I'm not on team Gina here. I guess what I'm saying is, and this is probably a really personal response from someone who's grown up gay and has spent years having conversations with whether it be People at my temple, people at my school, people at university, friends of mine, family members, like name the list where you're constantly hearing things where someone makes a stupid joke or says something ignorant or says that their opinion about gay marriage or gay adoption or gay sex or gay anything, and they say something that is just either mean, meant to be funny, but actually offensive, outright offensive, ignorant, take your pick. And so I'm actually less concerned in the big picture. I don't actually care about Gina Carano and I don't actually care what Lucas or Disney choose. If Cara Dune blows up in an epic battle in season two and she doesn't return, like, I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna be like, God, she was done dirty. Like, I'm not, it's not about Cara Dune. It's not about Star Wars. It's not about Mandalorian. I think the bigger thing that I see is we as a country are so divided and anytime we get upset about anybody, whether it is on the infraction of a very, very stupid joke that you should not have done, mm-hmm. or I'm absolutely definitely a transphobic person and I've doubled down on transphobia. Right. We sort of have the same response and having grown up gay, I, and this is my personal thing. And I don't say that everybody has to do this because everybody's at their comfort level. Right. I tend to try and be like, I'm going to try and, act with a little bit of grace and just calmly remind you over and over and over again how to be a better person rather than just cancel everything about you immediately and hope that eventually you turn around. And I'm not saying that everybody has to do that. I'm just saying that I see on both sides, nobody doing that. And I just don't see where we're ever going to get as a country by going down that road. And like this, and this is what this made me think of. This is what this situation brought up for me personally as a gay man. And I totally get that. But
1: and as a Latino, as a person of color, I've seen that racism uh, that you're talking about through uh, for being gay delivered to my parents for many, many years. For yeah, their accents, for their look, for their dress, for the way they spoke about something. I endured that for many years, watching it as a child. So I've become very aware of that. So I agree with you. an, an innocent comment or a joke made completely in uh, you know, like without thinking. Certainly deserves grace. Certainly deserves understanding. You double down on a joke, you don't apologize, and then I factor in all the other stuff you said before. You don't get that grace. So I hear what you're saying, and if this was a one-off, I would absolutely be down with you. But there's multiple evidence that she is veering towards this other place, and I think we have a right to go. You know what? We don't want that person in our Star Wars. Now I'm not saying I'm advocating for it. I'm saying I could see that happening. And I could see Disney making that decision possibly down the road, but it always depends on how loud the crowd gets before that happens. And if Disney even wants to, because, Hey, Ezra Miller's still flash and we don't know what the fuck happened with him taking a woman by her throat and throwing her onto the ground. We still don't know what happened. And they didn't have the guts to bring him out to face this firing squad about what happened. And instead marched out the Mushietis on September 12th to talk about flash. And so it's just like, there's these things, these studios are doing with certain properties where they claim to be all about understanding and love and BLM and all that shit. And then by the, and me too, and all that shit. But then by the same token, when one of their big properties gets challenged, they kind of stay quiet and hope it'll blow over. So I just, I don't understand overall why statements aren't being made here. If you claim to be one thing and not the other, and it can't be a coincidence that I put that uh, fourth or fifth tweet up and said, I don't understand how you, can ask the lead of your show who is way more qualified than you in your chosen field uh, and has a sister who is a who is non-binary has a sorry a sibling who's non-binary uh uh about pronouns and then make fun and then like an hour later he follows me on Twitter. That can't be a coincidence. That's his way of maybe throwing shade at what Gina said or supporting what I said about it. So I just think that they maybe they're seeing stuff on set that we're not seeing and hasn't possible. come out yet yeah, that's that's who definitely knows? possible. I mean, who like knows? who knows I take your point absolutely, Mike. this idea of having grace idea of being more interesting, I get it. we are getting crazier and crazier. So you do make an excellent point, Mike. So it's something to think about for sure. Also um, add your pronouns to your profiles. <laughs> I'll happily do that if if I want to do that, but I certainly won't make fun of anybody who does do that. Uh, all right. thanks everybody for watching this uh, fun episode of the geek buddies really appreciate you all uh, patronizing the show, downloading it or listening to us on the podcast stream of the geek buddies. It's always a lot of fun to hear your thoughts, to hear your comments So please leave those comments below. Shannon, what do we tell them? Yeah. If you'd like to follow us on
0: social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore, but underscore buddies. Uh, if you'd like to follow me on social media, thumb, if you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon, the geek buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it's at MK If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca. It's at the RokaSays. Thank you.
2: And if you are listening to us from Hoth, or Ilum, or Jakku, or Tatooine, <laughs> or Kamino, or Mancala, uh, here's a couple things that you can do for us. Uh, we definitely want you to, like Johnny said, like subscribe below hit like below, leave some comments below. We will hit you back with our thoughts on those comments. Uh, If you are listening to us on uh, Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, definitely uh, leave us a rating, leave us a comment, give us a ranking so that we move up so that more people can find us. And the best thing that you can do is actually uh, retweet us, post us on Facebook, send us to your friends, send out a text and say, have you checked out the Geek Buddies? Uh, The more people that listen, the more that we get to do this and the longer that you will have to hear our opinion about everything from the Snyder Cut to what happens in The Mandalorian.
1: There you go. All right. That's everything that you need to know. Uh, please uh, share this as well uh, everywhere you can and uh, give us some love as much as possible on your social media. All right, that's it. Thank you all so much for watching us. Uh, don't forget. We also uh, did a review for the boys season two episodes one through four, which may be out very soon. So look for that. Uh, as the show has gone weekly, we're going to start reviewing them in episode chunks uh, so people can enjoy them or maybe we'll change our minds and epi- and re- review them episode per episode quickly. In like a ten-minute review, we'll see. But uh, look for our reviews of episode one, episodes one through four, coming out soon. And then also, uh, Mike and I did a review of the of Mulan, which is out on Disney Plus. You can watch our review here on the Outlaw Nation channel. And then Shannon and I did a review of both the Vow episodes one through three and the recent episodes four through seven of Ted Lasso. If you're watching that at Apple TV Plus, so watch that here on the Outlaw Nation channel or download it on the Outlaw Nation Podcast Network. All right, that's it for us. Much love to all of you. This is the way. And we'll talk to you next time on the Geek Geek. Buddies.
0: Hey!
2: Hey!